Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano and welcome to the Harpen on Rugby podcast, the Leinster and Ireland fan site in audio form. This is season three, episode 44. Well, it may not be the last week in Leinster season, but it most certainly is the biggest as the countdown to Marseille is well underway. So this latest Leinster fan panel first talked about the Aviva Stadium last Saturday, but then it was all about how we think the Champions Cup final is going to go, as well as how we all plan to watch it. Towards the end, we also have some one-minute rants where the lads will talk about concerts, sevens, and the salary cap. So without any further ado, here's how we got on. Now it's time for our back and forward chat and joining me this week to look ahead to a big weekend for Leinster Rugby is a trio of fellow supporters and longtime contributors. So let's introduce them. First, making his 17th appearance is Mr. Connor Cronin. Welcome, sir. Thanks a million. Great to be back. Indeed. Uh, next, earning his 12th cap is Mark Jackson. Hello to you. Hello, Jeff. Hello, fellas. And finally, for the 11th time, welcome back to Mr. Tom Coleman. Thank you, Jeff. Still disappointed to be one behind Mark. I don't ever. Uh, sir, you're, you're getting you're getting closer by the by, by the week. Um, yeah, I, co- I, I covered you otherwise you'd be ahead. <laughs> Listen, just before we start, uh, just a very important ground rule, lads. Okay, um, I've never actually stated a policy when it comes to t- taboo words, and I'm generally happy to lead the odd swear word or two in. But for this particular pod, there are two words or any variations thereof which are strictly forbidden and will be definitely bleeped out, if not cut altogether. Okay, the first one is a number between four and six. And the second comes at the end of the phrase, twinkle, twinkle, little. Okay, are we all, are we all clear with that? Now, that's, that's a very, 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 very important uh, superstitious uh, rule that I'm putting in there. Hold on, okay? hold, on hold on, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so no time to waste, there's a lot to be harping on. Before we get to Marseille, why don't we take some time to play around with the bragging rights uh, the boys in blue earned us on Saturday evening against Munster. Starting with yourself, Connor, what did you make of it? Um, well, I got to start by saying that it was an unusual match for me because normally, whether I'm in the RDS or wherever I am, I tend to be loud enough to be noticed by the people around me and get dirty, filthy looks from some of them every now and then. Um, but I had, uh, I, I had the weird, perfect storm of you know, that match combined with having a competition on Sunday morning uh, in the New Ross Choral Festival that I wasn't allowed to shout. So I'm looking at the teams and I'm thinking, okay, we're not putting out all the big guns. Um, so, so maybe this is okay. Maybe I, I won't need to shout as much as I normally would. And then we get a minute and 10 seconds into the match and Scott Penny's going over for a try, and, and I had to text one of the other lads going, how, how do I not shout at this game? Look at the intent, look at the aggression, look at how willing we are to play with the ball when we have it. And it, it was probably the hardest thing in the world not to shout at that game, because throughout the 80 minutes, and, and I looked at some of the stats, uh, Munster had more of the possession, more of the territory, uh, more meters made. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go keynote depth on the, on, on the stats here, but it's, it's amazing how much more of the ball they had, and yet we're the ones who came out on the only stat that matters, and that's on the scoreboard. And that's because nobody in that team believed any of the hype during the week. Munster are however many points favourites. Yeah, until the whistle blows. And, oh, this is a B team or a C team or whatever else. And it's not really. It's just a bunch of fellas waiting for their moment to prove 
that they could be in any level of this team with any level of players. Uh, Munster were, I, I think, pretty much outplayed throughout the park. You know, I, I don't see anywhere where I feel, you, you, know, you, you know yourself, you look at two teams against each other on, on paper and you wonder how many of those players would make it into our match day 23. And after that performance, zero. Absolutely none of them. And I'm not going to go into what I thought of Munster. They've got, that, they've got their video review guys and head coaches and all that, and they're going to do that work for them. Um, I just think Leinster were much more prepared for it, much more hyped up for it, uh, without being overhyped. Because we've all seen players who, you know, take it that little bit too far. They're just over the edge. Um, I think they were just really well prepared. They were uh, cohesive. I'll throw in a a Stuart Lancaster buzzword. Um, They were just, without doubt, the better team on the day. And even those couple of times Munster went ahead on the scoreboard. And they went ahead on the scoreboard. And I I don't know how many of you were at the match. The scoreboard on the screen uh, went crazy um and and they, they refused to allow Munster to take the lead at any stage um but it's probably even, programmed it's probably not used to it like he doesn't know what to do, does not compete <laughs> that's it like even then you look and you say okay they've got a few points of a lead they're not going to keep it mm. something's going to happen we're going to do something right forget whether or not they did things wrong or otherwise it was Leinster players doing things right and yeah, there's mistakes that can be picked up by a video team and that kind of thing, which is great because you've got to have something to learn from. Um, but I just, I, I was absolutely in awe of how well they played considering all the hype that there had been during the week. Yeah, I mean, it was a, like you say, it was a statement of intent right from the very start because the, um, and it was clearly it was clearly a plan they had and you know when you when you have the kickoff as well you can you've got control over these things but just to kick just that little dink down the middle to try to win it back uh it was planned move with ryan baird worked to trade next thing you know before you know it we're on the attack before you know it we're earning a penalty before you know it we're over in the corner it's it's just it was just yeah. uh, just a blistering blistering start and it was re- really great to say and, and, and that lovely kick for penny to, to take was just 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 a joy to watch yeah. You, you want to see players playing heads up rugby, looking at what's in front of them and knowing what's around them as well. Um, just just a great way to start the game. What did you make of it, Mark? The word, Tom Tom had a great tweet after the game saying, for whatever reason guys were playing the game, you know, they stood up and I, I let him expand on it. It was a great tweet and, and, and liked it straight away. But for me, the word is calm. There was a calmness, there was an assuredness about that performance across the board. And... Yeah, Munster were never going to get hockeyed out of it, but I think a big part of that was when Frawley went off injured. I thought when Frawley was on the pitch, he was absolutely just, I wouldn't say taking the piss, but everything he did was coming off. You know, he was dropping guys in short, he was pulling guys out the back, he was cross-field kicking for, for Scott Penny. I thought Frawley had a great game, I thought Harry Byrne had a great game, I thought the two of them together had dovetailed really well. Um, but I know Connor said that you wouldn't pick any of the Munster lads into the team. And then I've seen a few tweets this week on going, oh, if, if so-and-so was being coached by Leinster. The one thing you need to realise is this team is coming to, not, maybe not the end of its cycle because you always 
uh, renew new players, but it's a four-year process. It's a three-year process where, yeah, we were a good team two years ago. We were a decent team last year. We're purring now because you now have 60 guys with Young Murphy playing at the, at the weekend, being the 60th player we've used this season. Nobody looks out of place. They all fit in. It's all seamless. They know what they're doing. And yeah, we've had our, our Amadon of a, of a Welsh commentator over here calling it formulaic, but give me that formula any day of the week. Um, it was great to watch. Uh, Casey going off didn't help Munster. I think that, that was a big one there because but when you look at Munster, there's no discernible shape. There's no kicking game, kick chase game. Conway had a couple of, of uh, really good kick chases, but then they went away from it because they went behind on the scoreboard. Kick chasing is not an easy game to play physically um, mentally either. I thought, yeah, I know I had a chat saying Larmer wasn't great under the high ball, but his, his broken field run was, was exceptional. But I think the calmness and assuredness of guys coming into the team for their very low-digit number of appearances and some making the debut, I thought they were excellent. Yeah, I mean, just what you said there about the high balls. Um, I mean, you look, you looked at the Leinster team. When I saw Larmer was back, I figured, well, they're going to send them up to him. They're 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 going to test him out. And um, but that's the thing with this Leinster team, whether it's uh, w- you know whichever whichever players are are out there, um, they might okay. You find one weakness, and okay, we'll send him high balls, and he'll drop them, but we'll still beat you in three other three other areas. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, it, won't, or, it won't be enough to, to take over. Yeah, any mistakes we made, we sort of fixed. I know mm. uh, Young Clarkson had one or two dodgy-ish scrums at the start, but for the next five or six scrums, he looked fine. Mm. You know, he was he was grand. So it's just that little word of the year from might have been Nugget in his ear or another another older chap saying, listen, just put your feet back a little bit more, get your bind better or whatever. But he fixed it. He fixed it. And, you know, I, I think... Again, the assuredness of, of all those guys. And he's probably our fourth choice tight head. You know, you're looking, and I know we're going to, let's stop calling it B team, C team, whatever, Leinster light. It's, that's, that's really offensive to Leinster because these guys are ultra professionals. They go out and, yeah, I'll have a dig at Munster here. It's not, as Lennon said the other night, it's not just stand up and fight. There's more to the game. It's a professional game. And when you're in... Um, I do think the coaching ticket has a lot to, to, to answer for, both in Munster and Leinster, with why these guys are doing it. And I love three or four of the young Munster lads coming through, but it ain't going to be a quick fix. It's going to take time, and they have to be patient. But you've got to believe in the kids, because the older lot are coming towards the end of their career. You know, yeah, what are we going to do when Sexton retires? But O'Mahony, mid to late 30s, Keith Earls, again, coming to the end. Conor Murray coming to the end. These are all-time Munster greats, no doubt about it. But I don't see guys fitting seamlessly into whatever plan they have. Whereas Ben Murphy, probably your fifth choice come half, comes in and has a stormer. That's not to take anything away from how good uh, Young Foley was. Either. He, I thought he was probably overlooked for a man of the match for me. I thought he was excellent. But the, the calmness, the insuredness, the relentlessness, the formulaic bit of it, who cares? It's called winning. And it's called winning well. You know, like I never, going back to last week's pod, I know uh, Keno had, he said, yeah, it'll be a close game. And then I loved Kigo's confidence. I was with Kigo and I thought, I thought we'd, we'd, we'd win by what we did. 
Yeah, I know it was it was it was definitely great. And like you say, the to, to have what what would technically be the fourth and fifth string, uh, if you you know, I hate using the word string, but it's true with the scrum halves, and they still do so well. It's great to see. I suppose when you're talking about um, second string and third string, maybe a better comparison would be like on the Lions tours when you say you've the mid the midweek team and the 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 test team because. They might be a midweek team. They might just they, they might not be playing in the test match, but they still made the Lions tour, and they're still pretty. They're still damn good players. And these guys have worked their way into this team, and um, we've watched it evolve. And it's been built around that kind of nucleus, I think, of that center parent of Frawley and Osborne, and uh, they've been mostly the constant. I mean, when they're both fit. They're, they're playing in those teams. And um, I think Osborne had a really good game as well. And Harry Byrne also, uh, it was a good, it was a good outing for him. He needed one. And uh, that, that, that would have helped his confidence. What did you think, Tom? Uh, I went into the game. I <clears throat> went in with my 16 year old daughter, Ellen. And uh, it's funny in the car journey in, I suppose the first thing I'll say is she's got the bug now of enjoying rugby. I know she plays rugby with her local team, but uh, before when she was younger, you'd go in and, you know, get the chips, get the burger in the RDS. But, you know, but now she really sits and intently watches the game. So that was that was a good thing for me. But anyway, I digress. On the journey in, she was saying, you know, you know, how do you think we'll do today? You know, and when I was a bit hesitant, she was like, what? As in, we're not going to win. So I don't know whether I was uh, dampening expectations for myself or her, but uh, I'm sort of given her context of, you know, where Leinster at and, you know, the one in, the one in South Africa, this enabled them in Europe to, to, to rest the player and sort of set the scene for her. And she was like, but every time I see them, they always just still play well. It doesn't matter who's playing. And in, in truth, that was probably truth out of the mouth of babes, even though she'd probably give out to me for calling her a young one. But uh, she was exactly right. Um, I shouldn't have really doubted it or at least put dampers, dampling on it because every time you do, um, it just shows that these players just slot in seemingly, seamlessly. Somebody mentioned during the week, I was listening to about these... Uh, Tuesday sessions that Lancer have with Stuart Lancaster. And um, you can tell that these guys are facing up against their peers and their teammates. And no other team is getting that level of preparation for a game or preparation to bring them on compared to any other team in in, in URC anyway. Um, it's just that if you're somebody like, uh, we, we mentioned Cormac Foley, and he's, he's, if he's up against uh, Gibson Park and training or whatever, you can see the benefit that this is bringing on if he's playing beside Sexton. And it shows and just slotting seamlessly. So I thought Lenson were superb. It was a really enjoyable game to be at. It was a good crowd at the game. Um, touching back to what Connor said, you know, about height but not been overhyped, I think Harry Byrne epitomized the Leinster performance as, and this was a guy who was probably a bit under pressure. He had a couple of poor performances in the RDS. He just things weren't going right from, you know, even letting you know, balls go out in the, that he thought was going out in the full and then giving away a try and just all those little things weren't going from. But he showed a real sort of controlled, angry determination to go, you know what, I'm going to bloody show how good I am. And he just, he was, you wouldn't have thought that an international nine and 10, if you came down from Mars, who was the international nine and 10? Because Foley and Harry Bourne up against more experienced and um, mature opposition outperformed them uh, and generally if you win that battle at nine or ten a lot comes from that and then we just get reminded again of how good some of these players is you know a lot of people just say Joe McCarthy wow this guy's really got it but then when you see it in the flesh again you realize this guy has really got it 
And yeah, you just add in the sprinkling of fellas coming back like Larmer and, and Ryan Baird, who are bursting a gut to get to Marseille on a 23. It just, um, yeah, it was just a, a really, really, really good performance. Uh, I think we spoke after the, the Leicester game pod that it sort of set up this, you know, after the Leicester game, it sort of set up the scene that Leinster could could um, uh, rest player, or after the Toulouse game, rest players for this after South Africa. And we just made the point Munster had to win this game after the, the sort of heroics uh, against Toulouse and the 40,000 crowd back and the difference between the atmosphere around Munster then versus the way it was when we beat them down in Tomer Park. That was a bit of an embarrassment for them. And we made the point talking that if, if they lost against Leinster and we, we were presuming at this time it would have been a, a BC string midweek team, whatever we want to call it, but it was Leinster, that it would be a disaster. And really it was. Like, ultimately, Munster had everything to play for in this game. They needed four points at least, maybe five. Leinster didn't. But Leinster's motivation to, to for guys heading off retirement or guys heading to Connacht or Exeter or coming back from injury or trying to get to Marseille shouldn't outweigh Munster's desire to get a home quarterfinal and onwards. But it did, and it did in streets. And that's the, probably the biggest damnation of the Munster performance, but also the biggest praise of Leinster's performance. That it doesn't matter them what the scenario is, those 23, whoever they are, is just going to go out and perform um, perform just at the excellence that, that the other set of lads would, 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 would set. And I suppose the last thing I'd say, just in the game itself, I happened to be down at ground level, which is unusual. I was like on row one on the east stand. And sometimes you get a good view there, but or, or the higher view can be better to see the overall picture. But Munster had 20-odd phases down that end of the pitch where they were trying for a fourth try. And I was basically in line with the 22. And the biggest takeaway I could see was just the body language of them. They just looked disheartened. They weren't realigning properly. Or there was there was nothing. You're just looking from a coaching point of view, and I just couldn't see anything where there were just no the motivation and the and the the, the arse was knocked out of them, and they just didn't look like scoring a try. I could see them going side to side and single out carries and taking the wrong option all the time, and and that really you know mentioned before on the pod about Van Gran and Larkham and to me that that those phases where they were desperate for 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 a fourth try. And they just seemed to be going nowhere. And eventually uh, tried this uh, crossfield kick where, where, where one of their guys, um, the young flacker who came on in the wing, um, got injured, unfortunately. And he's, he's, I've seen he's done his... Uh, his ACL, his yeah. Yeah, his, his ACL. So that's unfortunate for him. But it was a hospital kick in the end for him. You know what I mean? It, it just, that summed up the monster performance. But it also summed up, as I said, Leinster, the opposite side of it. We just, we just weren't going to let them in. And, and Munster did make it easy for us at times. Definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's been a feature, been saying it all season um, for Leinster, whether it's in Europe or the URC. Being able to defend in the final quarter, um, even when all the, the, the whole bench has been emptied and everything, you know. But uh, another thing you said as well about uh, Cormac Foley, you, you just made me think, a lot of people would think his, um, his big deal starting for Leinster would be playing in the first team. 
whether it was in South Africa or whether it was at the Aviva Stadium, something like that. But then you said in training, it's actually his big deal was in training. Can you imagine his first training drill um, uh, doing a drill as with a fullback line and Johnny Sexton is his out half that first time. That's when he knew he, that's when he knew he made it. And that's when he, we, he was settling in to, to the big time at Leinster, you know, so it's, 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 it's really, it's really great. They've had really great experience coming up to the team and, um, and it's great to see. It demonstrates again, how, you know, we're not afraid to use these young fellas. We're not afraid to put them in, in training, in big match scenarios. And, you know, we, we, we can go back to, it's been said a few times here on this pod that Munster wasted the opportunity they gave lads going to Wasps and didn't give them the chance again. They've had the taste of the big time. Let them continue to prove themselves. Let them build the big game experience and don't be depending on the same 15 or 18 fellas week after week after week after week. And then when those fellas get injured or they're not available, it presents you with problems. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the whole pressure on Van Graham to win something. Once they haven't won anything for ages, so why did they assume they were going to win with their older fellas this year? You know, The teams we struggle against are Saracens and La Rochelle. Big old units, but they know what they're doing. It may not be as fluid looking as Leinster have it, but as Tom said rightly there, those 20-odd phases... Leinster were comfortable in defence because you had guys, so one-out runners, no tip-ons, no pull-out the backs. You know, Leinster get to an edge, they immediately know, right, we're playing three forwards off the nine. He's got a tip-on option, inside option, carry, Johnny's out the back, and then Johnny's got two guys outside him, and then another guy out the back there. You know, you're talking about six different options off the edge straight away. Munster got to the edge, and I remember there was one carry from Jeremy Lockman, and he got absolute Lockman, sorry, and got absolutely buried by Ryan Beard. And you're just going to go, this is a professional outfit. You know, what are they doing Monday to Friday? Whereas Leinster, that, again, go back to that formula stuff, they know what they're doing. When we, when we were beaten by Saris, Saris know what they're doing. When we were beaten by La Rochelle last year, they know what they're doing. And it's bloody hard to defend against. There was nothing hard to defend against except maybe Chris Farrell with the odd um, solo bust on Saturday. He looked up for it for the first time in a long time. And Kandela nearly on looked, looked, looked sharp. But apart from that, as soon as he got to shape, Lencer were just one man down, up. Lencer didn't even bother trying to poach the ball because the new Munster were not going to be able to do anything with it. Definitely, yeah. Well, listen, um, that's great. I mean, we've, we've, you know, the 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 media have done a great job uh, analyzing Munster. I think the past few days, and uh, now that they've they've been sorting themselves out. But to, just from a purely Leinster point of view, it's great to see, great to see all those players coming through. Hopefully, maybe one or two might make it into the team this weekend. But um, I mean, it's really consolidated ourselves. Good to see that gap at the top of the standings at the end. And, and now we know, now we know we're playing uh, Glasgow in the quarterfinals. So we have that waiting for us um, after the weekend that's in it. But listen, lads, there's loads to look forward to in the URC, um, but that might be the best league. But now it's time to talk about the best cup, which is, of course, the Champions Cup. And on Saturday evening at 5.45 p.m. Irish time, the final will kick off over in Marseille as Leinster will square off against our conquerors from last season, Stad Rochelet, or a.k.a. Uh, Lavershell. Mark, what's going to happen? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Same 23, if possible, that played in the semi-final for me. I hope Frawley is is fit to do it. I thought Larmer put his hand up massively for the 23 shirt as well. So Leo's probably got 
he's probably got two positions where he's got to decide who he picks, or three positions, and they're probably all on the bench. Um, numbers 19, 20, and 23 are the ones that are probably he's not 100% on. The rest, I think, he is 100% on, and that's a great situation to be in. Um, we obviously saw the, uh, the mind games from uh, the La Rochelle coach this week with Skelton on the bench getting 20 minutes at the end, and now today he's talking about the um, who was the '95 fullback it was a Juber from South Africa who wore the hurling glove. They think there might be get a hurling glove made up for uh, Kerr Barlow, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Kerr Barlow play with two broken, two broken uh, bones in his hand. Um, I, I personally think it's a mistake if I'm picking teams where a guy's no matter how good he is, if he's only seventy percent, I'd rather I'd rather pick the guy that's hundred percent or as close to hundred percent as possible. Um, I can certainly see Leo going to a few of the back row lads. If you see nine picking and going, just smash them and walk all over them for for a couple of rooks and see what happens. It's it's going to be a lot tougher than probably the semi final results suggest. When French teams play French teams in Europe, it's it's dire. It's always dire. Final a couple of years ago at Twickenham, um, I was bored. I left. I actually left a Heineken Cup final before the end of it. The Toulouse, I can't remember, was it Toulouse? There's a restraint in French teams when they play one another that they always think it's 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 the top 14. Whereas when they play against Irish teams and they play against English teams and Welsh teams and Scottish teams and Italian teams, they, they, they let rip a bit more. They do let rip a bit more. Um, so I wouldn't be... I'd be confident with this weekend. I think we'll win. But knowing there's a couple of young, fair-skinned fair guys there, it's going to be 30 degrees. Get the factor of 50... Uh, out there and it's not going to be easy um, we need to weather the storm if, if Skelton's there I don't think Skelton has a full game in him he's a big old unit and he's probably got a half maximum um, it depends I think the bench is where you want to go we, we've got the only out and out seven between the two teams as far as I know and even then Van der Fleer isn't a poach monster you know he's obviously been working on his carrying can't believe you haven't muted me for saying that. Um, <laughs> but that might not make the final part. <laughs> you know, he's he's become such a vital cog for us that, you know, if he's one lad that gets injured, what does he do? You know, he, he he's normally gone big on the bench with Baird and Ruddock or McCarthy and Ruddock or McCarthy and Baird. They're they're the three combinations I see at nineteen twenty. I wouldn't have a problem if he picks either of them. Personally, I'd pick McCarthy, and I would I hate to say it, I'd pick Baird. I love Reese Ruddock. I think Reese Ruddock is one of our best players of all time. He's 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 a leader. He's been there through the lean years and, and the uh, more profitable ones. But I just really want to see Ryan Baird come on for a twenty minute cameo in the back row and and let rip. Um, and I hope Frawley's there at twenty three. I hope Frawley's there at twenty three. I I'd I'd back us to win by seven to ten. Maybe push it to twelve if we're playing well. Um, not only do we have to go and play in 30 degree heat, so do they. They've got some big old boys in that, in that pack at, at La Rochelle. And um, I think that the, the carrying game is one I'm really looking forward to to see Aldridge versus Conan and, and Kaelin Doris and see how that, how that one comes out. That's that plus Bottia against Robbie Henshaw. I think they're the two positions, six, eight, and 12, sorry, three positions that, that would probably be the winning it again. Yeah. Definitely, there's a lot of a lot of big matchups there, and uh, just just one question as a coach: all that you talk about the mind games, how much does that 
how much does that really play into it? I mean, I, I you, you know why they do it. You want to call the cards close to the chest and stuff. And you had Raj holding back, um, you know, talking about Skelton and all this stuff about all these other players. Can they play Vito? Can they play whatever? Um, and who knows? Maybe Leo's doing it a bit back. You know, being caged about Ty Furlong. Maybe maybe Kean Healy was playing was tight head backup uh, as maybe that was a bit of a decoy. We don't know what's yeah. going on. How much does that actually work? I mean, is that a, just the thing? Yeah. For me personally, and I think from Leo's point of view, he said it. He said, "Yeah, I'm not. I don't believe too much that the La Rochelle. Co- he didn't even mention him by name. Mm. Sort of a, a Bill Belichick type." reply to it which 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 i sort of love in a in a shithousery sort of way i was like it doesn't really matter mm. you know you saw listen or whatever you want to call it the leinster team that went out on saturday didn't care that they had more internationals or whatever or they had they went out and did the job it's a case of leinster going out again and repeating what they did for the first half in in uh, welford road and repeating what they did for close to about 70 minutes at the aviva last time out against toulouse if Leinster played to their capability and La Rochelle played to their capability, I think we're a 10 points better team. But that never happens on finals day. I'd love to see it. There's been very few Heineken Cup finals where both teams have given it a rattle. You know, properly gone out. And gone out. The last one was probably 2011 in Cardiff. You know, uh, you know um, Northampton against Leinster. But what, what, what really impressed me about this Lancer team is if they're behind at halftime, I think there's going to be a calmness because they know, they'll know what to fix. If the players don't know what to fix themselves, you've got a, a great coach and taking on the side there, that, that will help them along the way again. Definitely. What do you make of it, Tom? Yeah, I was <clears throat> trying to put some sort of context before the semi-finals um, on Leinster's chances. Um, regardless of how the La Rochelle wrestling game went, I still believe that the, the three teams left outside us in the semi-finals were better and are better than any of the teams we beat previously in any of our Heineken Cups. I think Racing, you know, that shows a standard maybe. Racing, Toulouse and, and La Rochelle are better than Northampton, Ulster and uh, Leicester. So that probably shows the, the size of the task in front of Leinster. I think we've won two out of seven knockout games. If you include this as a knockout game down in France, it's 10 years since we've won a knockout game down in in, against Claremont down in Bordeaux. Again, that shows the height of the task. Um, 30 degree weather, again, shows the height of the task. But for me, again, using the old ledger sheet, you know, where you've got these debits, big credit for me is this is the best Leinster squad that's gone to a Heineken Cup final. If Touchwood of Lowe and, and Furlong pass fitness, this is the strongest 23 by a long way. And, and it's substantially stronger than 23 than played La Rochelle last year. You know, we had no Gibson Park, we had no Sexton, we had no Caelan Doris. Porter was on the bench. We had young Osborne, uh, Rowan Osborne as our backup scrum half um, that day as well. Um, and I still think this would be Leinster's probably best Heineken Cup to win. That shows you the, the, the standard of the opposition. But this Leinster team is playing superb. Um, and it's going to take them, flipping, the, flipping around, it's going to take a monumental effort by La Rochelle to beat Leinster. On uh, on Saturday, um, I just think the the way the coaching team uh, has the the club plan, you know, all the way through past the twenty three, um, they all know exactly what they're doing. It is like a well oiled machine. It reminds me the best compliment I can get, you know, being a Super Rugby fan going back into the days when it was Super Tens and Super Twelves. Just reminds me a little bit. You know, might get a I'm sure we'll get abuse for being cocky Leinster fans. You know, this reminds me of the early. Naughty's Crusaders team who just doesn't matter who they were playing 
who was on the 15, they just came out and just performed. And, you know, we need to, as a club, we need to underline that by winning on Saturday. Um, obviously, you know, you need to back up that sort of a statement by saying we do need to win. Uh, I do agree with the lads. I do think it's a sort of a seven to ten points game. Um, you know, I think if La Rochelle are going to win, it's going to be very close, you know, a lot closer than that. But yeah, no, you know, you couldn't ask for a better, you know, 23. I know there's a couple of toss-ups there, and it doesn't matter which way they go. This is a strong of Leinster 23. And a 23 that's playing really, really, really well, brilliantly, that's going to go down and uh, going to be very difficult to beat. You know, you're not going to find many neutrals that think La Rochelle are going to win, regardless of whether they hope to win or not. That's a different point. But actually put the money where the mouth is and say La Rochelle are going to win. Uh, Kerr Barlow would be a massive loss for La Rochelle. Like the distance between him and the next nine down is fairly substantial. Like they've been filling in with a winger. Uh, he he came on against Racing. He's obviously competent enough. This guy's not. He's not. He's good. But that's the level they're at. Where we have, you know, leave Anton to punt aside. We have the form number nine in in, in Northern Hemisphere this year. Um, and Johnny Sexton up against as as Connor said, uh, West, who can be flaky enough. Uh, at times, even though he didn't miss anything against us last year in the semi-final, but he can be got at. Um, and uh, there's questions over their nine. So like the, at, at, at a game where it's it's won and lost at halfback uh, and out half, at halfback pair, and Leinster have a fairly substantial um, difference on, on La Rochelle, especially whether Carvalho plays or not, even with his magic G8 love or not. Um, a big time for the, the the La Rochelle front row. Um, I forget about the scrums. Their 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 hooker, her name escapes me, is excellent around the park. But again, we didn't have Kelleher and Sheehan last year. You know, you're just forgetting we've named the Johnny Kelleher and Sheehan weren't in that 23 last year, and all of a sudden we've two world class hookers who are now going to be rocking up to Marseille. So, like as much as there, you could name some things on the debit side. There's a long list of stuff on the credit side that you could that's pointing to a Leinster win, even if you're trying to be semi-neutral about it. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. You know what I mean? I know we're biased. This would be really fitting for Leinster season, and we've played the best rugby. Normally, the best team. Somebody I heard during the week said the best team normally wins the Heineken Cup. You know, when Saracens won, they, they were the best team. When Toulon won, they were the best team. When we won winning, we were the best team. The best team, and Leinster have been the best team in the Heineken Cup this year. You know, playing the best rugby, the most exciting rugby racking up points, just supreme support performances. So, yeah, I cannot wait. Well, that that, that, that all definitely sounds good and I can't wait either, you know. I mean, it makes you makes you feel real confident. I mean, you never, like I say, talk, all, all joking aside about superstitions and stuff, but you do, I mean, you look at all the evidence. You can only go on the evidence you've seen them play this season and um, you, you, would, you just, ex- whatever you expect from the actual match, you definitely expect them to be ready. And even if these one or two players that we're worried about, even if they, even if they aren't available, there's players to slot in. And, uh, and, and, and we, we saw last weekend that there's players ready to come in and, and get the job done. What do you make for it, Connor? Um, I want to see the same 23 uh, or as close to. I really want to see Frawley get his shot uh, on that big stage. I think he's earned it and he deserves it. I think we have one other... Uh, one one definite place where we have an advantage because I think Johnny Sexton quarterbacking like he did last week uh, against uh, Ahea West is he's definitely 
better and, and the way he's playing at the moment and the confidence he's got and the the physicality he's got at the moment he's got he's going to run the show and that's the reason why we'll be able to get seven to ten points I, i'd agree that's a that's a fair margin um and, and, and a fair estimate it's you know it's not it's not going to be easy and definitely you know some of their big lads smashing into our fellas they're, they're going to feel it but that's what they're preparing for that's what they're working hard at this week and again you know it, it's it's a solid coaching team who are you know today they'll have sat down with Stuart Lancaster and have talked about whatever they've had to talk about and they are going to go into that game prepared knowing what they have to do i think it'll be it, it would be a fitting result for leinster to win i think we've played the best rugby throughout the, the Heineken Cup this season um, it, of the two teams certainly um, and yeah I, I I really see us winning it yeah I mean it's it's like there's there's two elements that make you feel more confident to to lean towards Leinster one is just simply the way this team this season have played especially in Europe they seem to lock into this mode for, especially for Europe and uh, they're, they're focused right from the kickoff uh, when they're playing for this particular squad. But then you also add in the, um, the experience that as a, as a, as a team we've had. Um, I mean, last year we played the same La Rochelle in the semifinals, but that was the semifinal uh, at their home ground. And there's a big difference between a semifinal and this occasion, which is two teams going to the same, to, to the one place. And Lens, a lot of Leinster players have done it before, but Johnny Sexton has done it loads of times before, and he knows all about these big occasions. Yeah, himself. And if if things were to go to plan, um, and I won't mention any particular numbers as, as promised, but if things were to go to plan, himself and Kean Healy would become the only players to do that that many of times. And that's a great amount of experience to have, you know, fellas who understand that's, you know, whatever you've played in before, this is different. And we have enough players. You, you look through the squad at fellas who've been there before. We know what it is and we know what it is to lose. And there, there's a lot of learning that can be taken from that. So I, I think there's a really good psychology going on for this team that, that that gives them an advantage gives them an edge well that's great Lucas. and we're going to move on and we're just going to talk a little bit about how we're going to be enjoying the uh, final ourselves um we're going to start with yourself tom um how, how are you going to be watching uh well i am getting a flight at about four o'clock on friday um in a very circumnavigated route i'm landing in geneva like I'm escaping the war. <laughs> and uh, there's six of us driving a car from Geneva down to Marseille. So I'll get to Marseille late enough on Friday night. But I'll be there in person in, in the, the Marseille on Saturday to shout on the lads. So, um, yeah, even the road trip, looking forward to just that. And, um, you know, busy work this week, trying to get stuff done before Friday. And, and tonight, really, the first night we have had a sort of a breather talking to yourselves, just about getting excited talking about the game. And then towards the afternoon when I finish work and get stuff sorted. Uh, yeah, look, can't wait. So, yeah, I'll be down shouting the lads down in Marseille. And, um, yeah, just just hoping to bring it home, really. Just 
you know, can't wait it's just to be there and, and um, you know, just win the Heineken Cup, really. I don't, you know, it'd be great to put on a stellar performance, but I think we said, you know, in the pod before, you know, I don't give a, if it's 9-8 or whatever, it yep. doesn't matter. It's just about the result of Cup, you know, I mean, you know, we can save all the rest of it for afterwards, but it's just about the result. An Issa-like penalty in the last couple of minutes, again, I don't care. I, I, live I with forget. The, I forget from that 2018 final. I forget just how close that was towards the end. I mean, I just, you know, you, you, you get caught up in the excitement that you've won and you move on from that and you're celebrating. But then when you look back, you just remember just, uh, it was only, it was a three point win and there was a, you know, the, the, the famous picture of the blocked uh, drop Henry, goal. Henry Javancy had that drop goal effort at yeah. the end and he, you know, he dragged it wide and yeah, that famous shot of, of Conan and Fardy and James Ryan, I think. Yeah. Just, you know, it's, it, it, they, be all, they all become a footnote. I think we've mentioned that before. If they come up, at the end of the day, it's a result. We'd gladly take that again on, on Saturday, whatever, whatever. However. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I don't care if it's a, a Johnny 40-metre drop goal to win by a point. I don't care. I, it just It's the result. It'd be great to get everything else together. And, and this is why I think we said it just in the last the last part of the pod, we are just saying it's, Leinster have the, the capability to, to, to put a really good performance together because that's the way they've been playing all year. And um, so, yeah, that's where I'll be. Yeah. You can see me grinning. You can see grinning on pod. I'm grinning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what what will you be doing, Connor? Um, I won't be in Marseille. Um, We'll start with that. I'm really, I I wish I was. I looked at every conceivable way to do it. Um, I've got some friends going. In fact, I know a bunch of people who are going and I'm really, really jealous but my wife's had a wedding on Friday, so that ruled out flying Friday and flying down on the day was never going to work out. Um, I will be probably sat at home uh, with my kids booted out of the sitting room unless they're prepared to sit quietly and tolerate daddy being angry at certain points. And I'll be watching it here on the telly, but uh, I've nothing else on next weekend. No, No competition, so I will be shouting and screaming at the TV and my neighbours be damned. Um, they can <laughs> they can whistle if they want me to stop. Um, it, it's it's going to be some atmosphere there. I really wish I was able to get down. And but I know, like th- those who are going, they'll shout extra hard for those of us who aren't. Absolutely, absolutely. And and yourself, Mark. Uh, I'll be in a tux, a blue tux at that. Um, at our end of season due in the Richmond Hill Hotel. Um, I couldn't book anything for this weekend because depending on results last week with, with the, the county stuff that I'm involved, if, if it had gone our way, we'd be playing this weekend. So unfortunately, I couldn't do it. The only one I was, I was, I was feasibly able to look at would have been similar to Tom. Um, there's a few, we've got a fair, fair few Irish lads in, in our squad and Irish girls, and I'm sure we'll be glued to the telly um, in, the, in, the, in the hotel. And it'll either be a night of celebration. We've had our most successful season as a club. Or for me personally, it'll be a night of desolation if we lose. As Tom said, don't care. 9-8, I'll take 3-0, like an under-15 schools game or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. But um, yeah, it'll be a great night, whatever. You know, for, for, for me personally, it's just that, that being a coach at a, at a certain level, you, you, you can't... I can't go to a lot of games because of the timings. We got our league program for next year. I've, I can go to Ireland, England and Dublin. 
I can go to one or two more. There's less games for us next year. Uh, uh, the RFU have I've done the league slightly differently, so it's more regionalised, there's less travel, which means I'll have the odd weekend off here or there, where hopefully I'll get to the RDS on a Friday night. I'm very jealous of Tom going and whoever's going this weekend. I'm sure I'm sure they'll make a great atmosphere. Um, it's a pity it probably won't be sold out because the velodrome is, is is electric when it when it is, and I'm slightly disappointed with the timing of it. I'd love to them to put on a half seven. I think I think an evening kickoff for the Heineken Cup final would be, especially in in, in a stadium like the velodrome, would be would be epic. But um, I think yeah. there's a round a roundy ball game going on up in Paris that might be yeah. might be might 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 be negating yeah, it. And it's and it's not the Leinster it's not the Leinster football final either. It's some other. God awful game that they're, that they're playing yeah. there. It's not, even, it's not even a good round. DPRC, I think DPRC will have to look at maybe moving, you know, clashing with um, the Champions League. Um, yeah. Same Saturday, you know. And, and Sorry, I'd just like to see this being the end of the European season. Yeah, well. definitely. I'd, 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 I much, agree. I'd much rather have, you know, the Premiership is finished. They're all, all the Liverpool fans are able to get across to, to Paris or whatever, you know our league, our domestic league, which we do want to win as well and want to show that, you know, five in a row is is there for a reason. You know, it's... Sorry, I said that word, didn't I, between four and six. Probably. <laughs> uh, but not in that context. Um, I, I just think that um, they need... This is, this, is, this is proof where the leagues, and not necessarily a world calendar, but they can get their act together a bit better. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying COVID's finished or anything like that, but... They can plan this better. Definitely. Yeah. yeah just touching on what Connor said there. Um, uh, not that Heineken Cup fixtures should be made, you know, designed to make it easier for Lancer fans, but just from speaking to a lot of Lancer fans who's been all over Europe, and you get to meet a lot of people over the last, you know, twenty odd years traveling around and longer. Um, a lot of fans just can't get to 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 this game because it's just been awkward. It's been awkward with flights and no extra flights being put on by either Ryanair. Or Aer Lingus, only charter flights were the extra flights. Yeah, there's no, and it's it's you know it just there's a lot of what I call fans that, yeah, as I said, traveling all over Europe can't get to this game that have been to umpteen other games, knockout games around Europe. Uh, so I do count myself a bit lucky that it just happened to get a reasonable enough price flight in Geneva and had a few like-minded people who were willing to make that four and a half hour journey down from there to the game. Um, a lot of Irish Liverpool fans, as you say, took up the flights going to Paris before that. You know, it would have might have been another option for people getting a train down through France, and and then just the, the regional airports around the south of France were just, you know, I've seen people looking at Dublin Lisbon Marseille, I've seen people going to Dublin Berlin Marseille, you know, so the which is which is you know, ridiculous really lengths you're trying to get to, to go to see a game. You're traveling nearly two days solid, one day over, one day back to get to a game and up, you know. So uh, still looking forward to, as, as Mark said, the stadium looks fantastic. I've never been in, I missed the Toulon game. I was at the Toulon game when we lost in Toulon, but I didn't go to that semi-final. We, we were bet in that stadium. It was it'd that stadium, been, I think. It'd have been quite fun if there was lots of flights from Shannon going, I think, myself. But yeah, that's of course, uh, should be easier to get to next year's final. 
anything. A little bit. That's it. Yeah, I was hoping to travel myself, but it was just I just couldn't get it together within the two weeks. I didn't want to didn't want to get them ahead of time. And uh, there's a bunch of us that were just gonna. One of them's having a barbecue in his place. So hopefully, we'll have uh, maybe not quite as hot weather as down in Marseille, but a good day for it anyway. And uh, just enjoy the match there. Well, that's great. Listen, we'll we'll all enjoy. It. I mean, this like you know, a lot of people are traveling over, but um, not you know, not everyone. Uh, There'll be a lot of people also watching it back home, so it should be should should there'll be there'll be a lot of support um, both there and uh, and and around Ireland and uh, pretty much everywhere. There's Leinster fans, right, lads? We're going to leave that there. Um, we're just going to finish up with our little. Uh, you've all prepared little uh, one minute rants on different topics. Um, we're going to start with yourself, Connor. Grant, no problem. Um, mine is on concerts and using stadia. Um, Martin Mark mentioned a minute ago, you know, wouldn't it be great if the Heineken Cup final was the end of the European season? But it's not. We've got three weeks, three, three more games, hopefully, to go after this week. Um, next year, at the same point in time, the Heineken Cup final will be in Dublin on the 23rd. And then the following week, should Leinster make a home quarter final for the URC, it won't be in the RDS because that's where Bruce Springsteen's going to be. And it's just, we look at all the given out that was done about Ed Sheeran in Porky Cueve and in Pomond. And now we're just going to do the exact same next year. And part of the problem is that we don't have any autonomy when it comes to the RDS. You know, it belongs to the Royal Dublin Society. We just rent it. And, you know, we look at, the promised redevelopment. You know, if you do a quick Google search on the RDS redevelopment, you can get articles back from 2015. We're seven years waiting for it. Um, if we want to really make the RDS our home, then it'd be great to get a little bit of a little bit of a little bit more say in being able to say, no, we can't have that. There's going to be a match that weekend. We are planning for a match that weekend because what condition is the pitch going to be in? Lansdowne Road following uh, following the Heineken Cup and Challenge Cup final the previous weekend. Okay, um, now we're going to move on to uh, Mark. Uh, mine's not necessarily a rant. It's This, this might shock you. I'd, I'd like to congratulate the IRFU on what they've done with the Sevens programme, to be honest with you. I think it's taken time. No more than when we turned professional in 95, it took us a while to come around to it. But the results from the weekend, the play from the weekend, from both the women's sevens who have been hitting heights and great to see the law firm, as I call her, getting into the, the team of the, of the season. But some of the men's play was outstanding as well. You know, to beat South Africa for the first time. Um, to, to, to my favourite game was the French game, actually. The French crowd were just absolute... Um, Madons, I'll try not to swear, but the French players were throwing cheap shots left, right and centre at the end of the game. Um, but what they've had is that continuity of selection, I think, through both teams. Um, you know, I thought Emily Murphy-Crow was, was excellent, but Lucy Mulhall ran the show for the entire weekend. Erin King was great for such a young player. I thought she's come on leaps and bounds. Um, and Stacey Flood as well. You got, you've got a... a consensus of players there that you can rely on all the time and it's the same with the men's you know Harry McNulty he's getting on a little bit now but he he was superb but Terry Kennedy and Lucy Mulhall for me the two playmakers are as good as anything in the world to be honest with you I genuinely think but 
you know, the RFU have taken a shellacking over certain things, especially on the women's side of the game. But And I know it wasn't great taking all those players out of the England game. And it's just the way it is. England made those same mistakes a couple of years ago and we're probably a couple of years behind. But to see both teams into into the final stages and winning medals over the last few weeks and getting players into teams and tournaments is... Um, is, is fantastic. The women's are finished now, but the men's have got two left. And if I'm not too too bad on Saturday, I might pop down to Twickenham on Sunday and hopefully see them in the uh, in the knockout stages down there. But they've come on leaps and bounds, and they're a pleasure to watch as well. Brilliant. And uh, just a, normally don't add on to these, but it'd just be great to see um, the series come to Dublin at some point. We're talking about things being staged in Ireland. Um, I know, I know, we might be being punished for being staying out of it for so long, but uh, that to, to to get a game. But there's no question, and World Rugby knows this that uh, that if they put a put it, we'd put on definitely put on a good show if they if they can stage it here, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like even uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be in Dublin either. It, it, it would make sense to have it in Dublin, but there's no problem with Tom. Relax, relax, Tom. Breathe, Tom. Breathe. <laughs> it's an it's an Irish team. It's not a Leinster thing, you know. <laughs> you know, imagine Tom and full. For, for a sevens tournament all weekend you know <laughs> personally I'd love to bring it to Croker but that ain't happening in, in May or June um, but yeah I think I think Dublin has got to it's got to be maybe not necessarily on the the programme as such but an extra one that they can do at some stage it, I think it would be um, it, I just think it'd be a, a fantastic weekend and it, it might take a year or two yet but it's definitely something we should start bidding for considering we're not going to have any World Cup games for probably a very very long time now so you, you won't get an Irish World Cup game in Ireland till 2040 now or whatever it is um, but yeah the sevens is, is something that, that should be coming here great stuff and then Tom you're going to finish up on the salary cap I am uh, I just would I'm just the last, just adding to uh, to Mark's point I, I, you could play it in Crow Park in, in May or June if Dublin were made play outside Crow Park like the draw was when the game should have been in Navin. As I sit here in my tear-soaked soaked, uh, mead uh, top. Uh, but yeah, listen, we're back to this time of year when Leinster start getting to the Cup Finals and top of the URC ladder and the old chestnut of uh, salary caps uh, starts gathering momentum. Uh, definitely more in our, our Celtic Cousins uh, media. David Buttress, which is the Dragons uh, chairman, brought it up saying there should be a salary cup in, in, the, in the URC. Now, besides the fact of, you know, four, you know, across three different regions, Ireland, Britain, as, as, as Scotland and, and, and Wales are, and Italy and South Africa, different tax rates and different setups. I don't know how it would work. Um, I heard people make the excuse that they, you know, look at the NFL, they have different tax rates across the country, which they do, but a lot of the time they, they forget that the salary cap was brought in there to line the pockets of the owners, not to, <laughs> to make sure players weren't getting paid huge amounts. So, you know, different motivations for different sports. Um, look, there's no reason, part of it is there's no reason why three Welsh teams or two Scottish teams shouldn't be absolutely competitive against four Irish provinces, you know, and it really comes down to getting their own house in orders before they start suggesting salary caps and the likes. Um, uh, why I f- feel particular needle about it, I'm one of those souls that was back in um, Donnybrook when we played there when there was three or 4,000 people going to games. So I've seen where Leinster came from. You know, it was never always this. You know, it was easy to get a point in, 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 down in, in, down in the, the bar in, uh, in uh, 
in Donnybrook, you know, one of those, those small numbers turning up. So, you know, uh, it wasn't all like the, the, the well-oiled uh, machine that it was. Um, these other um, unions have to get their own house in order. Um, I do have certain sympathy again for the, some of the Welsh regions, because a lot of this comes from Wales. On the, you know, But they need to sort out the relationship with the WRU before they start talking about salary caps, salary caps and dragging everybody down to their level, because that won't make for a better URC, and it definitely will make us totally uncompetitive in Europe. Um, so it's it'll it'll happen again if we win on Saturday, you'll hear it again, and if Leinster go unbeaten in the URC with three home games, you'll hear it again and again and again. That drum will just keep beating. Um, it's funny it's not mentioned in Ireland, you know, when other provinces are trying to because it's because it's not a factor. You know what I mean? Munster need to start out some of their own house as we discussed. Um, it's something to do with salary caps. It's you know it's it's. It's coaching and it's 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 the systems in place with the relationship with the different unions. So it's a bit of a rant, especially for this old school Lancer fan who's who looked at it when we weren't all that and uh, what we've grown into. Brilliant. Okay, very good. Um, that's that's a brilliant chat. We've been going over an hour now. Um, you've, it's, it's been a great pod. Really looking forward to Saturday now. I hope we all enjoy whatever you're doing, to, uh, Mark. I hope you do get to see a, a good a good slice of the game. I think I remember there was, was there an episode of Friends where they were at all huddled. There's a bunch of lads huddled in the corner over a little telly. So I can picture that something like that happening with you. Was and, a, uh, was, that a, was that a funeral? There that was, was a funeral a, as well. So yeah, wasn't a Giants game. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So listen, um, I hope you hope you all enjoy the game. I hope it works out uh, the way we want it, and um, and we'll hopefully talk about it afterwards. Maybe Tom, we'll get you on again next week. We won't get Mark in, so you can catch up on him then. And you can tell us how you get on down in Marseille. How's that? Uh, hopefully, you'll have the uh, able to adjust for my hoarseness. As uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the, on I, just got, I just got a feeling you should be taking a, a an old school video camera. Jocks or goes to Stuttgart style. Six. Yeah, it'll, it'll turn out like that. One. Oh, I just oh. going to mention one one last thing. Congrats to 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 Wicklow and Navin, Josh van der Fleer and. Uh, Sam Monaghan getting player hey, of the year. Hey, he's from he's from Bloemfontein. Uh, yeah, we know that, but you know, I'm uh, very much in the Wicklow camp. So uh, <laughs> the the chat two two, two 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 Leinster play well, Leinster Leinster yeah. natives. So congrats to them both. Do you remember me telling you about Sam Monaghan and I put her in contact with the Exiles? Right, here's the story. I said this the other day. The Exiles never got in contact with her. The only reason she was picked up, like I went to the two coaches that night. I rang them. I said, "There's two girls down here." playing at a, at a rubbish level that are way too good. And there's one girl who's still not, not been picked up. The only reason Sam Monaghan got into, into Wasp and into the Irish system, right, after I put her in contact with them, is because Cleena Maloney got her there. Considering I used to work for the IRFU, um, you know, I still pick players up for them here and there. The ignorance of not, like she couldn't stand. She said, I was talking to her last Saturday, and she has come on leaps and bounds. She's an absolute pleasure to talk to, to work with or whatever else. She has come on. And if somebody had gotten a hold of her a couple of years earlier, it's scary how good she could be. Scary how good she'd be. But as, as no one given the IRFU a pat on the back for their sevens, but they're still missing out on hundreds, not, not a couple. They're missing out on hundreds of players over here. It's a, nice, a bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a joke, on but it was great. Oh, it's great to see. No, it's great to see the two of them get the awards and, and definitely definitely earn them. And, uh, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, Josh, Josh will have something else to celebrate at the weekend as well. Listen, lads, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers, Jeff. Take care, lads. Thanks, lads. 
Many thanks again to Connor, Mark, and Tom for the chat, and be sure to follow them all on Twitter. You'll find the links in the program notes. For the rest of the week, we will, of course, be turning our attention to Marseille from team announcement to preview to post-match opinion. So stay tuned to harpenandrugby.net for all the usual features, and please do feel free to get involved in the discussion and leave your own thoughts when the mood takes you. In the meantime, come on, you boys in blue. Stay safe, everyone. Slan and Slava Ukraina. <laughs>